Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's about to go down. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go. Bills Mafia. Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by Minute Media and Fansided. So, we were going to do this episode a little bit earlier in the week. I kind of wanted, you know, I was going to do draft one and kind of go from there, but I thought it'd be more fun to just kind of take the time, let the whole draft play out, sit on it for a moment. So, it's Sunday morning, it's May 1st. Welcome to May. Uh, for those of you that are just joining the show for the first time, thanks for listening in. Thanks for being here. Uh, you picked a good day to come as we're going to break down what just took place in the draft. And we're going to kind of talk about some stuff that's coming up in the future. For those of you that have been listening, part of the Nerd Mafia the whole time, thanks again for being here. Appreciate you folks as well. So before we get into the draft and all the stuff and, you know, the kind of approval pat on the back a little bit even because uh, we pretty much called the the draft on what was going to take place and what the team needed to be do. I mean, it was pretty much writing on the wall, I think, for most folks. But needless to say, or nevertheless, I was correct. We went cornerback in the first round. But before we talk about that, like we do every week on the show, we do like to highlight a charity, um, you know, and, you know, just to find an organization that's doing good out there, you know, much like the Bills Mafia does all the time, you know, there to help each other out. So I like to find an organization each week to kind of highlight that's helping out their communities and or the nation and or the world and or whatever it may be just doing something cool. So this week uh, is actually National Infertility Week, right? Um, so I have some close friends. Um, that, you know, I've had to deal with this and I have, you know, a, a new coworker that I just met also has done, th- gone through this. So I wanted this week to highlight the National Infertility Association. You can find them at resolve.org. So that's resolve.org. It's R-E-S-O-L-V-E.org. Cool organization, all about helping folks who are, you know, kind of battling through this that want to have families and want to have children and just to, you know, 
can't, you know, without some kind of support. So there's ways on here for you to, you know, take action and help out. There's ways for you to get help and find out support things in your local community. I mean, it's just, it's a cool organization. It's not necessarily, you know, something that is like one of those things that like everybody's talking about, or there are things that are way, you know, way worse. There's people dying from diseases and things of that nature. But for the folks that want to have families, you know, new families, you know, it's just, it's a new school era and there needs to be help out there. And there's organizations like this. Very cool organization. They've been around since the seventies. So this isn't new to them. Um, so if you're looking for support in this regard, you know, somebody that's just been through it or you're, you're you know, you're a, a case that's made it through it and you've had children off of it and you want to donate to an organization that's all about supporting others. Here we go. Resolve.org. So let's talk about this draft because for me, I, this episode is a brilliant weekend for Breen for being, excuse me. I just, I, this off season for him has just been, everything feels so deliberate and very well thought out and planned. I mean, it, it's just been a great off season so far. Now it's all got to play out on the field, but checking the boxes, filling the positions, the defense and offensive line were pretty much addressed during the off season before we got into the draft. Um, we did see a little bit of, you know, movement there. And of course they're going to go after some undrafted guys too. We're starting to see some of those guys trickle in too. I think everybody, uh, you know, myself, I've been chatting about it for roughly six weeks now that I didn't see anything else possible but the cornerback taking place. And, uh, you know, to me, it was just it's the biggest need, obviously. I mean, when you, you know, you're unsure about what's going to take place with Trey, I anticipate he'll be back. But is that going to be full form? Is he going to get full preseason? You know, and if he's not, is he really going to be game ready? So there's big pieces to that puzzle. And it's a young room and it's staying young. Uh, two cornerbacks drafted, obviously, Elam out of Florida. Uh, I think everything I've read off of him, he's going to be a phenomenal pickup for the team. Uh, he, I mean, the, the line of make sure that the playbook's on the plane. I mean, I think there's just really, this ties in everything that, be, that Bean and McDermott have been building, trusting the process. It's high character guys. It's guys that want to come to work. You know, it's, it's a tough place to live sometimes and it's a smaller market. So you need to find guys that are really ready to grind to be part of a team atmosphere. So, no way around it. Uh, they move up. Uh, what I haven't seen anything about it yet. Um, I I would imagine that eyes were starting to get pretty wide when uh, the under or McDuffie kid from Washington uh, was starting to fall, and he was within five picks of us. Uh, I was getting pretty excited because I was like, "There's no way we're going to get like possibly like the third best cornerback this late. He's just going to fall to us." Kansas City comes up, makes a move they need. Um, I. A little surprised by that, actually, because they lost their safeties. Um, they didn't necessarily lose their cornerbacks, even though they're not that good in that position either. Um, I thought safety would have been more appropriate, but they go up and they take him, and then you're going to yourself, well, still, you're talking about getting one of the top four cornerbacks in the draft class. Uh, the Bills move up, which, I mean, you had eight picks. Seven of them were via a trade. That's what I'm talking about when I, I'm like, Bean had such a good weekend. Like, they moved around. They they just did very good things. And now we've talked about it all off season that a lot of these guys aren't going to stick, right? Or they're going to get just put on the practice squad. Excuse me. We'll see if they can stick around uh, or they might get plucked from the practice squad. We've been seeing that happen to a lot of our picks in the past. Um, you know, a lot of that is just trying to get intel on what the franchise is doing, uh, but also because you've got quality players. 
But for me, it was coming into this draft. I thought the cornerback was 100% of need. They address it. Uh, I still am going to stick with, I think, that we are going to see a veteran cornerback possibly be brought in before this is all said and done. Like I just mentioned, that's a very young room still. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, there's some of the undrafted guys that are trickling in. They're still looking at cornerbacks. I think there's a big, they're going to do a big reshuffle of what's been taking place on the practice squad and who's kind of there and open things up. You know, Cam Lewis has been around for a while. It might be time to find, see if there's something else out there. I mean, this Benford kid that was drafted, you know, later on, maybe he's now that guy that's going to be sticking around. So to me, they address the cornerback position, but it's still very, very young. And if Trey's not a hundred percent, uh, yeah, he can teach a lot of the stuff from off the field and how he's, you know, how he game plans and how he views things. He can do all that. But a lot of times you hear NFL players say that they see it when they're in the game, right? Okay, now I see what they're doing to us. They actually have to be on the field and watch it happen in front of them. So he might not be able to do that initially. So I'm not going to be stunned if there's still another guy that comes in and miss the, we still have to look at potentially making that Jordan Poirier contract work out. So we move into the second round. Uh, I think a lot of fans, uh, a lot of talk over the uh, leading up to the draft was the Bills needed a running back. That's probably the guy in the first round. Uh, they actually move around a little bit and they get the guy in the second round in Delvin Cook's little brother. Um, James Cook comes in. Definitely the speed we've been looking for. And it's going to be fresh young speed. I mean, I know we brought in Brita last year who had speed. He was actually like one of the fastest guys on the team but he really didn't get on the field uh, because he, he didn't have like that kind of package of being able to catch the ball really that great. And maybe that he was the speed to the edge that we were looking for. And then Singletary brought, you know, just brought his game up. Um, but him coming in, he's going to be on this roster. He's going to make a difference. I think you can split him out. I think you could teach him a lot of things. Um, early report and only kind of knock I've heard on him is that pass blocking might be a little bit of a challenge, but also this is a rotational backfield. I don't think you're going to see he's not like being brought in to just be the one guy, right? He He's going to be the edge guy probably, and he's going to be that guy catching the ball out of the backfield. If you watch some of his highlights, the wheel route, I think he's got great speed uh, to make that a nice option, uh, and he can catch the ball. So, And you, you have to love, too, that this is a guy who's the brother of a stud. I mean, Delvin Cook is a monster. He's been doing it in this league year after year after year. So now you're going to get his little brother who's going to be probably training with him all the time, which he probably has been already, right? But you're getting a very good football family at this point, right, to kind of bring into the building. So this was nice. This was a nice move. I mean, we we really brought this up all off. It's like, this is not a team that needed a lot. So that, like we saw last year, we had probably the first three picks kind of were contributors. That might be the same this year. Top three, four guys might be contributors. The other guys might not be, they might not make it. You know, this is a deep team. Um, you know, so very, this is a nice pick. I mean, yes, we brought in Duke Johnson, but this, he could also make stick to this roster, but that could also just be, we weren't sure that we were going to be able to draft this. And now that we have, he might be the guy out, um, you know, maybe Moss is the guy out now after a couple of seasons, it wouldn't cost a lot to take, make that happen, but then we lose that kind of bruiser. So I think this is more of just a common theme of what we're doing. We're building depth at positions that are coming up. I mean, Singletary is going to be in a contract year, um, you know, after next season here. And so you have to start just kind of thinking about stacking back up. I mean, you see, they've already brought in, they've already signed a couple, uh, another, undrafted running back to bring in and work with as well. I mean, you need backs, you need things to happen. You need bodies for camp and maybe you hit, but this is a very nice pickup. 
Now, the third round, uh, I think uh, this pick isn't getting a lot of love everywhere. Um, I think that for me personally, uh, I really do think that it's a it's a good pick uh, because of I was mentioning coming into the draft that I think we do really need to address linebacker. I mean, you you lost Klein. Um, not that he was like all world kind of player or whatever, but he was good on special teams and he could step in and he had, they had found a role, you know, for him. Um, so I think that it's important to keep stacking that and then potentially Traymond. We don't, we don't know. We know that they love him, right? They talk very highly of him, but I think most people do that when you're, you know, the guy that's the guy for the franchise that, you pretty much are doing that anyways because you don't want to talk badly about your own guys, right? So for me, this is a an, an important decision that's being made because, yes, maybe he doesn't turn out to be what we want. Maybe somebody offers him more money than we can offer him. That has to really come into play. That is something that could absolutely happen. I mean – you're you're looking at a guy unless you do it in the season, um, which I would I would imagine if they decide he is going to be the guy moving forward that they do try to get it done in the season later in the year because you might be able to get a little bit better of a deal and you keep him out of the market because he puts up a ton of production and he's young. I mean, you're seeing that the kid that New England just drafted is 23 years old and he's just getting drafted. Tremaine's already played four years in the league. He's at 23, you know. So I think that there's a certain value in really having that mapped out, but he might just say, Hey, I want to see how much I could be paid. And then he might not be here anymore. Right. So you have to start looking behind and adding depth, young depth. Um, you know, he's got some knocks. This kid does, uh, you know, size wise and things like that. But production wise, if you look what he did last year, production, seven and a half sacks, he's got tackles for losses. He had 105 tackles. I mean, he seems like a very productive player. Um, you know, so I think that this is a, a good pickup. We'll see what it translates. But remember, this is a team that not this necessarily this group of people, but in the past, we've had some luck with third round linebackers, also second round linebackers, but and even first round at this point. So they have a good look at linebackers. They know what they're looking for. And I think we could be seeing a little bit of shift in what the team is going to do too. So that's another reason why you potentially see somebody like this. But like I mentioned, he's not getting the greatest of praise so far, but I think overall the team's looking good. And now we went without that fourth round pick, right? So we traded that as part of the deal to move up a couple of picks to get the Elam kid, which I, by all means, I'm not going to doubt what being and McDermott have in mind. I mean, you heard them talk about the board and there was a lot of options that they were doing. They were okay with. So they were willing to move around and see what took place, you know? And to me, when you can do that and you've shown me consistently that you're getting good at that, I, I just can't doubt that this is the kid. I mean, I've heard reports as well too coming out that despite that knee injury, if that wouldn't have happened, he's, he was very close to the number one guy as far as what he can do. So I think you have to take that in consideration too. But up until the third round, I thought very good draft. Fourth round, we knew we weren't going to necessarily have any action. I thought kind of stacking those later picks that he might make a move back up. Obviously, nobody there that they really wanted to go for. Now, the wide receiver you know, it has been a position that I think everybody coming into the draft was like, there needs to be some, you know, probably somebody added there. Now, Crowder and McKenzie and and Gabe Davis and Stefan and you got Kumro 
you still got Isaiah Hid, you know, Hodgins in the mix, but this is a, this kid is supposed to be good. He's supposed to be good. The, the Shakir kid from Boise state, um, a lot of action works out of the slot, which is, uh, interesting, um, which makes you kind of wonder what they're looking at. But this, this also to me, like, cause I, if I'm looking at it, I think Crowder probably is going to run in the slot for us the majority of the time. Um, you know, especially with this introduction of OJ Howard and now Dawson Knox really coming up to the forefront, it's going to be interesting, but there's definitely some youth that needs to be found in the wide receiver room and you got to keep it around. Like you need you, this to me feels like Gabe Davis 2.0. Um, supposedly not, he, he had a quite a few drops last year, but all the scouting reports that you read about him says he has dominant hands. He's very good, uh, high catch rate. He's had great production every year that he's been in college. Um, so he's not necessarily a real quick and shifty, but he has like some good explosive speed and he's got some decent size to him. So this is a nice move. These are the type of moves you have to look for. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, you've kept him around. Maybe he hasn't really panned out to be what you want him to be yet. But the wide receiver room, you need so many of them and you need different people that can do different things, right? So you have to keep as many of them kind of turning and burning through the process as you can. I think we've already brought in a couple undrafted wide receiver kids already as well. You you got to turn and burn and you try to hit. Uh, but I, I, I think this might be Gabe Davis 2.0 from what I'm reading about him. Um, obviously, coming from a little bit smaller of a school like Gabe Davis did. Um, so the talent level is a little bit different, but and especially getting to work with Stefan Diggs and I've heard nothing but great things about how Crowder approaches the game. And he's, he's had very productive seasons in the NFL too. So I, I really like this pick. I think that if I was going to say early impact guy that kind of surprises, he's going to be the guy that would kind of similarly to how, you know, Gabe Davis had that first nice year where everybody thought he was going to truly break out in year two. And it took towards the end of the season for that to happen. But this is the next guy, I think, in line. I think this is a very deliberate pick. Um, I think that you you saw they kind of targeted him. You've also seen kind of throughout this whole process is that they went after guys that are captains. They went after guys that are leaders in their room, right? So it's not necessarily maybe that they're the all-world athlete on all levels, and there might have been an all-world athlete that was available, but it looks like they went very much like leadership and captain-level type of player in the last couple of drafts. And I think that's why you're seeing the big change in the culture and the guys wanting to stick around and the team being, cause they're all leaders, they're builders. They're all, they're all guys that are really good at coming together. So that to me was the, I, I think the realistically the first four picks that we had, not that the rest of it, I don't know a ton about the rest of the guys. I've read a lot of good things about them and, and vice versa. But to me, just looking at it, those are guys that can make a big impact. Uh, Bernard, maybe not on the field, but I think he, he's immediately going to have special teams of, you know, impact and he'll fill in that role that Klein left, uh, you know, but Cook is going to have a good season. And, and I'm very, very intrigued about Elam because you're now talking about the last time we did this was Tredavious White. Right. And now you're going to have a guy across him essentially doing the same thing. SEC school, you know, playing with elite level players. I mean, he's going up against these, all these wide receivers that are going high from these schools. He's going up against these guys. I, you know, I think I just read this morning um, that it was something like he, they, they weren't even attacking him last season. So he saw very little action even and still was dominant when he did. And he, when you talk, when they're talking about him, you know, you're, 
it's that man kind of press guy. That's what that's what Tredavious initially kind of was coming out of college, and he transitioned a little bit. But I'm, I'm excited about this kid out of Florida. I think he's going to be a, a big difference maker immediately, especially because he might have to be in and immediately making moves. Now, Dane Jackson, I like him. I thought he did well when he stepped in, but this is going to be a different caliber of a player he's going to compete with here. And I, I feel like this is a guy that, would have probably given Levi Wallace the boot as well if he's healthy. You know, he has the knee thing, but from all all accounts that I'm reading, is he's ready to go. And uh, I think that he would have taken either of them to school probably, and one will get number two uh, CB if if Tre'Davious isn't healthy. But I'm excited for him. Now, you get into the sixth round of this draft, and if you're looking up and down this roster, I mean, there, there's not a lot going on. I think. They, they go out and they get the punter. Um, the kid's supposed to have a monster leg. Um, you know, I just, I read a scouting report this morning that says he's Corey Bajorhez. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting because we obviously got rid of that. Uh, right. And so the interesting thing about this kid also too, though, is that he's uh, done, he's done kicks. He's done field goals. He's done the kick, you know, the kickoffs. He's done the punts. He's done everything. So I think he's a, he's a nice tool to like be able to have on your roster, right? Like you always run at that time where the, the kicker goes down and then the punter has to become the field goal kicker. Well, he's actually got some experience doing that. Now, the only bad thing that I'm hearing about him so far is holds that he's not very good at holds and he's going to, he's going to have to work on that to improve. And that was the knock on Bojo as well was that the hold game was just not as good. Bass had a very good season last season and it was all attributed to not all because he's got talent and skill, but it was attributed to hack being good at holding and being very consistent at the hold and making sure the ball was where he wanted it and how he wanted it and all that kind of stuff. So I like that they did this because if you listen to me last year and throughout all of this, he was the Hackman was always kind of on my radar of like, please don't mess up, please don't mess up, please don't mess up. Now this kid's got a monster leg, which should be great. Um, you know, Bojo had a very good leg as well, and he wasn't that great at some of the angles and things like that. So we'll see what happens. But this kid brings in some serious versatility, and he will challenge. And I won't be surprised if he does win out the job because remember. We, you don't always necessarily teams draft these guys, right? You can get them undrafted or whatever, but we did it a couple of years ago with Bass and now we potentially have our kicker for the next 10 years, right? So this is another scenario where you could potentially be pulling that off for the draft. You got a very cheap contract for the first few years. I think he is going to challenge hack uh, potentially for this position, but he also, if that is the case where he has trouble with the hold. Um, and this was a six round guy, you know, that maybe there's not many teams that would be willing to take him off your practice squad and you might be able to stack him there. Um, but I think you're going to have to see this is just going to be a straight up battle and he's either going to make it. They'll throw him on the practice squad just to see if he sticks around probably. Um, but I like, it. I mean, he's got a monster leg. You're in the, you're in Western New York. If he can control it and he can be good with it. But for me, you also. As the punter, your most important job is the hold, right? Or you got a backup. Maybe we go the route where we have a backup because we do have two veteran, you know, quarterbacks on the roster now that maybe you have one of them do the hold and he never even has to worry about it. But you have to be very concerned with that because Bass's consistency is part of that. And he was very good last year, but exciting pick. I mean, the guy says he doesn't like being called the punt god or whatever, but I mean, which I get it because if you think back to the Raiders punter King, 
that was what he was all about, right? He had this monster leg. He could punt 70 yards, 80 yards, whatever. He's not even in the league anymore, right? So there's more to just being able to kick the football in the NFL, right? There's only 32 spots for a reason, and these guys have to be the best, and you have to be good at most of the time holding the ball and your job, right? So I like, I love the pick, and I think it could be great value, and I do think he will win, but... I, I don't necessarily want to have to worry about, which is, is good timing for it because Bass will be going into year three, right? So he's not necessarily a baby in this anymore. So he's, he's going to have some, a lot more experience to it, but it's an interesting move, but I think you do. I mean, when you're talking about the back half and none of these guys might even stick, this is a very smart and wise move. They took the second punter off the board. I mean, uh, Baltimore, they get a lot of flack for the trade that they did. But they've been a well-oiled machine for years where they're constantly putting a good product on the field. And if they're, if they're drafting punters, I think there's reasons to, to see the value in doing it. So I like the pick. I brought up this guy a, a little bit earlier, uh, Beniford from Villanova, a small school kind of dart throw. I think it's right up Sean McDermott's alley. They definitely are looking for more depth at the cornerback position. I think he's going to stick. I've, if I had to guess right now, I would say he would stick. And one of these other guys like Cam Lewis or somebody like that would probably be on their way out. Um, but I do think that he'll be around. Seems like everything you read about him again, he's just, he's just a quality player. He's got a good attitude, work ethic, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's to me, that's all we've been hearing about, right? And so good pickup. I mean, you, you, you've heard, I think ever since McDermott came in as a coach, if you go back and listen to like his first approach to the draft, that cornerback is a position you always should be drafting. You always should be looking at, you should always be adding. The game is always changing in the regard of what kind of cornerback you need for, you know, for years, it was big, strong, tough press guys. Now it's big, strong, tough, fast guys, right? Because the speed in the game has changed so much. So you look for different pieces, different fills. So I think this is a good pickup and he'll probably be around unless something really bad happens or he just really can't take that, that jump. But I think he's going to find himself in a good position where they've had some guys on the roster for a few years now that just haven't totally panned out. And it's probably time to give somebody else a shot to be part of it. Now, I think that like we mentioned at the beginning of this offensive line, defensive line was basically really addressed, you know, in this off season so far with what they've done. I mean, I'm sure they're going to bring in some youth. That's what they do again in round six when they've got, you know, three picks in round six and they brought in a monster of a man, you know, from Virginia tech, um, not a ton of great reports about him, but he's got versatility to play both sides. Um, and he's a monster. I mean, if you, I think it's six, eight, like something like that. I mean, if, if you're looking at it, I think this is, they, they see, what the NFL game is doing, right? They did it themselves last year when you drafted Gregory Rousseau and you go with this length and, you know, the ends are starting to get real long and real big. Well, interestingly enough, the tackles on the other side are getting as big and as tall and now they're as getting as athletic, right? So I think this is a, just a, a monster pickup. You saw Spencer Brown come in last year and have a good season. This kid's probably not going to necessarily make any big impact this season. You probably stick him around, but he's, he's, he is going to have an opportunity to probably win an outside tackle backup spot, I would say. Um, you know, but we'll see what the plan is with Bates and things like that as the season breaks down. Maybe they decide to move him inside. Um, I mean, if you put him next to, I think he's probably a little, I think he, the report was he had shorter arms. So maybe he is going to come inside and then you've just got like potentially a right side. That's monstrous men, you know, who knows? Um, but, and I do like 
the idea of really trying to find guys right now on the offensive line because you do have Roger Saffold in the building. You've got Dawkins in the building. You've got guys that have been at it for a while. I think Saffold's a great player. Um, you don't stick in the NFL that long and have good success and be with high quality teams um, unless you're a good player. Uh, you know, and I think that he's going to be a really nice player to have this year. We're making the transfer back over to, you know, to Cromer running the offensive line. So, uh, and I think, I think there's already been a couple undrafted guys brought in too. I mean, these are guys you need bodies for camp. You need to see if you can find something, but I like the pick. And they rounded it out with another linebacker out of Clemson. Um, the team has brought in a lot of players from Clemson here in the past few years, even way back to when friggin' uh, feet man was running the show, you know? And so I think that it's a, it's a good move. It's just depth. Let's try it out. See what happens. You know, I mean, it's, if this has been happening for a year, I mean, they just brought back Terrell Dotson. He's the same kind of guy, right? The Vance Joseph draft picks. You, you're always trying to find role players, backup linebackers, especially special teams guys. So every, all reports again, high quality player. I mean, I, I think if you look at the, the theme of the draft this year was, Right off the bat, the cornerback was the need. They got it. Second round, that speed that we were kind of looking for, hey, it's there. We, we might be able to take it. Let's let's do it, right? Um, interesting. You know, I think that's just kind of how it was. They moved around a lot. They just kind of played the board. They went after some pieces that they needed. They know there's a lot, lot a lot happening, right? This roster will not turn over a ton. So by far for me, I think like – Brilliant weekend so far. I mean, we'll see how the undrafted thing plays out. It's always nice if you score somebody there. Um, but all in all, you covered your biggest needs. You added some depth. I think they had a great weekend. Um, I think that the the team has been trending towards this. It was it's it's turning into when you talk about like Bill Belichick making a crazy pick or what's perceived as a crazy pick. The the franchise is really trending towards that. It just feels like this is what it's going to be every year moving forward. Your top three picks might be contributors. Maybe you get in somebody in the back end past that second half of that, that starts to contribute earlier than you planned. Um, but I liked this draft. I thought it was uh, well done. I think it leaves um, still the Jordan Poyer deal on the table. Something needs to take place there. Um, obviously there's going to be some interesting things to happen with Traymond throughout the season depends on how he balls out this year. Um, so it, it's a good draft all in all. Uh, not that like the national reports really matter all that much or whatever, but uh, all accounts, I didn't really see anything lower than a B plus a minuses, some a pluses for the bills draft in there. I mean, they just, I think all in all, you came out of the weekend better uh, and that's all you were hoping to do. Um, you know, especially when your team's as good as it is. I did want to hit on what took place around the AFC East a little bit too, because Miami, they didn't have much to work with. I mean, they made their decisions in the off season and they went big Tyreek and they've done those things. They've, they, they didn't really do anything in the draft here that like was crazy, but they obviously spent their money in the off season. You go over to new England. You can't really count them out at this point. I mean, it's going to be a new uh, offensive coordinator this year, but it is still new England. And when they make a pick like that, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, I know there's the stuff out there that Sean McVay was like laughing at the pick or whatever, but that was actually that Sean McVay was laughing that their GM thought that he might be around at like the hundred and something number. And then he went off the board at 29. So 
you can't really take, you know, discount them. They still had a good football team last year. They got their quarterback last year. They're very good about just finding good free agent players. So you can't really count them out. But now these were first round picks. So it's, it's one of those things where like you don't anticipate that it takes a lot, right? Like you wouldn't really anticipate that it would take too much to be successful at picking in the first round, especially when you're picking high in the first round. But I've been saying for years since Joe Douglas took over with the jets, he's a good GM. He revi- he reminds me very much of what Bean and McDermott were doing. And it appears that they're doing that. They had a very nice draft. Um, now, I think there's still probably a season away from really getting after us. I mean, you're talking about a second year quarterback. You're talking now your, your backfield, although it's going to be good, is going to be a first and second year guy. You've brought in three more rookies who will probably all contribute and be good. I mean, you, you got some second year guys from last year that you invested a lot of high capital in, but it's a young team, right? And, it, and it's got a gel in the NFL. Um, so, but Joe Douglas is. He's putting the press on in, in New Jersey over there. And uh, I thought the Jets had a very nice draft. Uh, they became a little more competitive than they were for sure. Um, but absolutely. you Now they came back up into the first round, but they've got so much capital from what they've been doing. So I, I feel like if you gave Bean this pick, and this draft fell nicely for them. I mean, they got a great player in the cornerback. I think that was kind of, that was going to happen no matter what. And then they had another really good, they had the, probably the best tackle fall them, I think. And then they come back up and they get another good player. So it's going to be a good football team, but I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to be nipping at our heels yet. I don't think they did anything in that draft to necessarily surpass us. Um, I do love though. And I can't wait until the first time that we play this and, and it happens. Uh, but the cornerback from the jets was very stern and very confident in saying that he was going to have no trouble stopping Stefan Diggs. So I just, we've seen what Diggs does to people that say this to him in the past. So I'm just excited to see the first time that they line up against each other. I wouldn't even be hel- like completely surprised if it was just like an opening double move, deep shot against them for a touchdown just to be like, okay, welcome aboard, sir. No problem stopping us. But all in all, I think uh, everything I was seeing from the mafia, happy with the draft, you know, national people are happy with the bills draft. I think the team is, you know, just in a beautiful position. Um, you know, you saw that they're just adding hard workers, guys that can be role players fit in, you know, nobody that's going to ruffle the boat. I mean, this is just, things are going well. Um, the other big piece that I want to make sure I touch on too before the draft even happened was, which I think was an important move is we, we signed Ed Oliver's fifth year option. Um, he, he looked dynamite last year, finishing out the season. If he comes in, even something close to that with some new pieces in the middle, I think the settle guy is going to really open things up for him. I, I do believe that Ed Oliver making that move, getting that low number and working towards seeing what happens with him. Because you're you're talking about big money being paid, and then you're going to look at Traymon, you're going to be looking at Ed Oliver. These are big ticket positions that are going to cost money. So now, granted, we've built this role player thing, you know, so it'll kind of limit that. But that could also mean Ed Oliver's out the door, right? And then we're we're doing the same thing that like what Jordan Phillips and and Lawson happened to us before. We're back in that same boat, but. Ed, I thought it was a, a great move. Um, you saw it was right before the draft, also su- signifying that there wasn't probably going to be anything done on the defensive line. Now, um, once we get these guys signed and paid, uh, I believe the moves are going to be to look at Jordan Poyer and then and or 
still probably looking at seeing what the cornerback market's going to look like because you know there's always veteran players that are, are going to sit and they're going to wait until after this draft to see what plays out, see who went where, see who still needs what. Some might sit out all the way through up until into coming preseason and camps to see if somebody goes down and a team really needs a need to increase their value. Right. So I still believe that those things will happen. We will continue to be chatting about that stuff as we continue down the off season. The camps are happening. Everything's going to be taking place. Um, it's going to be exciting to see things, you know, hitting back to St. John Fisher this year. So, uh, really excited for this off season. It's been great so far, so far. I do hope that we do get this deal done with Poyer before too long. I don't want him not being around the building or turning it into some kind of affair, um, you know, where they're potentially, cause I, I'm not com- going to be completely surprised if it, if they don't end up working on a deal because of the money he might command, he might look to just play elsewhere, but I don't think he's going to necessarily sit out. Um, but I don't even want to approach that. So I'd rather just sign like a two, three year deal with him, keep him with Hyde, finish that out, build behind him, continue to do that, but we will see what takes place. So also uh, some interesting news coming up is this will be the last episode of the Buffalo nerd on the fan-sided and minute media platform. Uh, as of next week, we're taking the show live over on Buffalo rumblings and SB nation. So on Thursday nights at uh, 9 PM Eastern starting next week, the show is going to be live there. And then for those of you uh, that can't catch the live show and join us for the chat while everything is happening, we sh- the podcast will be available on Fridays uh, as it normally would be uh, as we're continuing through the off season. Super pumped to uh, join the Buffalo Rumblings team. Uh, you know, I got some buddies over there, Joe Miller, Jay Spence. You know, it's going to be an exciting time this upcoming offseason. And uh, offer was to take the show live on Thursday nights. So we're going to go ahead and do that moving forward this coming week. So for all of you that are normally listening, I uh, appreciate if you guys could show up on Thursday night. That's going to be 9 p.m. Eastern. You catch that on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network on Fridays. And it'll be on the YouTube uh, video network live on Thursday nights. So come and hang out with us, you know, chat. Let me know what you think about what's going on with the team. Um, we're going to start bringing on uh, some guests as we move forward through this thing. We'll hit on some fantasy football, talk about the draft a little more, get into the off season, you know, just really have fun as we kind of get through May, June and July before things really start picking back up before we get into camp and the preseason coming our way. So make sure you guys are checking that out and looking for everything that is up with the nerd over at the Buffalo nerd.com and make sure that you guys, if you can, or if you know somebody that uh, might be interested in it, head over to resolve.org and uh, check them out as we're closing out national infertility week. Uh, just a cool organization. Uh, it's a cool thing. If it's something you can help out with, you know, head over there. Uh, there's even ways for you to like volunteer time, energy, you know, all that kind of good stuff too. So, I want to say a big shout out to Fansided and to Minute Media for, you know, carrying the show for the season last year. Um, you know, again, it was an awesome time. Appreciate everything they did for me over there and other guys over at buffalolowdown.com. But starting next week, we'll be part of the Buffalo Rumblings and SB Nation team. So make sure that you guys are heading over there and you're looking for the podcast on the SB Nation podcast network. And of course, go Bills. review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time leg out Jay.
Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 4. 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.